everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor. We got quite the show today. We're going to start it off with a little Patreon question of the week, talking to talk about the PCS Open, the results, and some key storylines there. Do a little Trevor's trivia, and then go over the Pro Tour's new FPO event plan that includes canceling some of the biggest events left of the year on the FPO side, possible rescheduling. We'll talk through all of that. Um, but first, Quick word from our sponsor. Yeah, today's episode is brought to you by Double G Craft Jerky. Uh, we love Double G Craft Jerky. They've been a big supporter of the channel and the podcast for quite some time. As you can see, I'm sporting one of their hats right now. Fun fact, we went out, shot a video earlier today. I got really sweaty, but I had a backup Double G hat. So I just threw on a fresh one. So I'm always rocking Double G hats, um, but they're known for their craft jerky, of course. They have a bunch of amazing flavors, such as Hot Boom Sauce, Garlic Lover's Dream, Nate Sexton Sweet and Spicy. That's their best seller. Uh, McBeast Barbecue, Teriyaki, which is my personal favorite, uh, and a, quite a few more. They also now do trail mix and dried fruit. Their trail mix is really, really amazing. Uh, we were snacking on this stuff the entire West Coast tour that we did, and, and that was fantastic to have out there. Uh, they also support the Double G Children's Foundation for every bag sold. That contributes to the promotion of disc golf to the youth. Uh, they buy baskets and discs for inner-city children and donated thousands to families in need of money for events. Uh, they also offer a one ounce bag that you can purchase for player packs, which is really awesome to, to have as well. And uh, like I said, you can get the hats. Um, one other cool thing they do is subscriptions now. So you can have jerky delivered to your doorstep um, in the quantity that you need in like three, six and 12 month options. And so you can kind of custom tailor made that to what you want. Uh, and yeah, you can use 10%, you can get 10% off with code foundation on the website. Uh, if you want to check it out, like I said, they don't just do jerky. They also have the trail mix now and the dried fruits. They've got some other snack options if you've never tried them before. Um, but they're a huge supporter and we love them. So make sure to use code foundation and uh, get 10% your order link in the description. All right. If you see me throughout this episode, quick disclaimer, just like physically in pain or doubled over, I just had sheets. Um, for the first time in a man. long time, I had some snack wraps from there, man. How'd they I'm, hit, man? They hit hard. Did they hit different or did they hit the same? Different than I remember, but I think it's because my stomach's not acclimated. Uh, I've actually been like, I've been proud of myself. I've been eating semi-healthy, semi-good, mm-hmm. um, mainly because if I don't, my runs suck during the week. And so my body's just not used to what I just threw down. And I'm in a tough spot right now, but... I'm going to power through thanks to questions like this from our Patreon question of the week. Wow. And if you don't know where these questions come from, they come from a weekly podcast we do exclusively for Patreon called the Patreon Mailbag, the Heiser Club Mailbag. You can actually get a 30-day free trial if you want over at patreon.com slash foundationdiscoff. And each week we answer a bunch of questions. There's exclusive content. There's even behind-the-scenes vlogs, contests, all, all sorts of fun stuff, discounts. And you can get all of that with a 30-day free trial. But this question this is actually back-to-back weeks for Sir Justice Ballard being picked. Let's go. So, back-to-back questions here. Um, And this one, he wanted to know, what is one disc you think everyone should try? I don't even remember what I answered, honestly. One disc everyone should try. I said the MVP Uplink. It's a good one. um, Because the Uplink is... It's an incredible, understable mid-range. Beginners will love it. I've met a lot of beginners that I... They're like, I just want a disc that goes straight. And I'm like, here, put this up link in your hand and throw it. And they always come back and they're like, that disc you gave me is incredible. I, I love it. I think. A- and then there's a lot of people who are not beginners who've been playing for a long time, like me. And I still enjoy throwing it. So. Yeah, I think an understable disc is always a great suggestion because you have to throw really, really hard to invalidate even the flippiest of discs. Like to have to where there's like no use for them because 
the uplink for me, if I throw it full power, it gets a little bit like, but, but you should never throw an uplink full power. Right. It, it, there, I can get use out of it. And mm-hmm. most people don't throw fast enough to where they invalidate all the discs. So I would always suggest like flippy discs to people if I was given that prompt. So I would say, uh, a good one, honestly, I don't know if everybody should try a diamond, but if you've never experimented with like a disc, like the diamond from latitude 64, which is like the flippiest driver ever. If you've never experimented with that, you should give it a try because what you'll find is if you don't have a ton of arm speed, you'll find really fun hyzer flip uses for it. And if you do have enough arm speed, you will find that having a disc that you can throw flat and get rollers out of makes your, will get your rollers uh, going if you've never really done that. So that's Which, that. by the way, Trevor, apparently in the <laughs> in the Diamond versus Zone OS video we did, or mm-hmm. Tilt Diamond versus Tilt video that we did, yeah. um, apparently we picked the most stable diamond that there is. According to the comments, people said that, that plastic was the most stable diamond. It was baseline plastic. People were also giving it bad rap because you were trying to throw like 50% hyzer flips with fan grips with it. Like, so like, of course it looked more stable, but yeah, like well, if wow. you gave it any amount of power, like, yeah, Connor, every disc looks more stable in your hands. No, I'm just saying like, if you like, no, once, say what you think. Once we throw no, it hard, it's it still very flippy, but yeah. I, I agree. Well, I'm just saying diamonds that I've thrown, I can throw a 50% power fan grip on hyzer and they flip over. Yeah, I, I would yeah, have Trevor Connor's huge. Maybe the baseline ones are more stable. I don't know. Well, that's what they were saying in the comments was that, that plastic is, starting that is, out that was, was being the most said stable. in the comments. Yeah. That is a, that's, that's well, that is a common thing, a baseline. A lot of times baseline will start slightly more overstable. But Jawbreaker zones, I think starting out are the most stable but zones. But typically like that lasts for like two throws. Yeah. Because yeah, like you hit a tree or two the and then they're, they're gone. Yeah, well, with that being said, I think I'm going to change up my answer. I think I'm going to go DX or KC Pro Rock. Because I think like a DX Rock has enough glide that you can get use out of it if you're a beginner. But the average player nowadays, I don't think, is seeing the beauty of an overstable disc beat in. Yes. That's not a common yes. thing in the game anymore. That's a good point. And so I think a good DX or KC Pro Rock, just throw it for a few rounds and get it where you can hyzer flip it, and you'll learn the beauty of an overstable disc that gets beat in. It's true. And then I've, you'll probably want to start beating in Rock 3s and I've freaking learned. overstable buzzes and all kinds of stuff. Definitely learned that the hard way with some of my mids and drivers that I have now that I'm just like, yeah, this this does a certain thing because of the fact that it used to be stable. Like yeah. When a disc has a composition of an overstable disc but is beat in, it flies a lot different than a disc that just has a lower parting line. It flies a lot better. It has the memory of a stable disc. <clears throat> yeah, the finish is different. It won't it won't just dump on you right. Yeah, it's a great thing. Let's get into the PCS Open. Um, we'll we'll talk through the results, but before the PCS Open even started, one of the bigger storylines of the season, in my opinion, happened, which was. Paige Pierce during, I believe it was a practice round on the course yeah. on a bridge, apparently a bridge? slick bridge. I did not see I the bridge. I saw the bridge. It's, it's like, like an mm, arch. One of those arching bridges. They added turf to it after the incident. Yeah. Um, she slipped and broke what on coverage is being called her ankle. From what we know, it's a little bit higher. From what I understood, it was more of her shin bone. Um, yeah, the fibula. But her lower leg, so she that, broke a bone in there. Which is a very big difference. Like, Broken ankle, correct me if I'm wrong, but breaking your leg is a much more severe thing than breaking your ankle, I would think. Fibula is the fibula. Fibula. Like that's a much bigger bone that you have now got to heal. And I think... So uh, fibula fracture could take three to six months. And they were saying, they were telling her, they were saying her ankle was going to take six weeks. Mm. So that's like a little over a month. Uh, Recovery time, six weeks. Yeah. So, So... Drastic difference, yeah, very in, big difference in the recovery time because from the two different heard, things I was told. What we had heard from Yuli, 
you know, like when they were saying on tour life was fractured leg surgery probably required. Like that's what we were hearing. Let's see if she know. said in her post. But it looked and it looked like she was casting um, all the way up her leg. It's yeah. In a few I'll, in a few months, I'll be back stronger with metal plates and screws. Maybe that'll make me indestructible. Well, it could be ankle or leg. It's a pretty it either like way. Leg. I mean, we're in <laughs> no way. That's just a broken leg. We're in July. Surely. A few months is August, September, October. She's probably she's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I would be surprised if she um, comes back. Yeah, she she's out for the rest of the season, possibly coming back towards the tour championship. Unless we're wrong. in there. Unless it well, is she the said angle. a few months on her post. Yeah, and she said metal plates and screws. And if, but I'm just saying, a few months from now, July, August, September's it, the earliest comeback. It would be like, like U.S. Women's. Yeah, it would be like maybe she comes back for the tour championship. Yeah, something. Like um, that. Regardless, she's out for most of the rest of the season or the rest of the season altogether. Such a very big bummer, um, especially to get like over to Europe first event there that you're playing, and that happens. Like, yeah, it stinks. I mean, it sucks no matter where it happens, but it it feels a little better, I guess, if you're closer to home. Yeah. But now you got to not only decide like, are you going to stay over there for the European Open and stuff too, and you got to fly home eight plus hours in that situation. So yeah, not fun. Um, Definitely, you know, praying for a, a speedy recovery for Paige. Hopefully, she's back at some point this season, or at least hopefully she's back at 100% whenever she does come back. Yeah, that's a scary one. Um, on the FPO side, though, Kristen Tatar, no surprise, able to take it down. Missy Gannon comes in second. Evelina Solonen comes in third. Evelina came out hot this tournament, slowed up. Kristen Tatar struggled the final round. Missy Gannon pushed, but could not quite push far enough. Um, and Kristen was able to lay up for the win by one on the final hole there. Got close. Um, it was a it was a solid tournament for Kristen. What was funny was like um, in the post round interview, you could tell Kristen was just very upset with her play. Yeah. And you know, at some point, it was like, but it was good enough to, to win. <laughs> um, and that's just where we've said it many times. That's where Kristen. Well, I think at she right put now. she put at like sixty percent C one X. The final round, round yeah, sixty three percent C one X. But Missy Missy was fifty. Yeah, C1X. Missy Gannon was fifty percent C one X. That's what it comes down to. And then she gave. You know, on the, on 18, they both threw good drives, and then Missy just threw out. Now, to be fair, birdieing 18 is tough. That, yes. That green is really hard to hit, but Missy just left it a little bit short OB. Um, but, yeah, it, I've seen I, – I, what I've seen from Missy Gannon this year is pretty consistent. What, I, what I've seen is, like, I she's getting in contention quite a lot. I think her putt, like this round, her putt just falters down the stretch. She just – she was chaining some out, just, like, straight up missing the basket on a few – um, and that's where like, you're not going to beat Kristen unless you can put that part of things together. You yeah. Know? And, and Evelina wasn't able to continue her momentum from round one either. So yeah. yeah, it just became, you know, what we know. I believe it said, I believe Kristen is, they said something like eight wins and 12 starts now. Something for, like that. For the season, which yeah. is just like hilarious. She's, she's ridiculous. <laughs> that's um, so crazy. And she's going into a major next weekend. Uh, the European Open. I mean, um, you got to bet the house on Kristen the target. You would think she's going to win because uh, also she typically does pretty well when she's mad at herself, and it seemed like she was not happy with her performance at the PCS, yeah. which means she's mad at herself. Um, and realistically, on that course, I think her best competition now that Paige is out of the field is probably Evelina or possibly Henna. Henna struggled quite a bit this tournament, six over for the tournament, so she lost to Kristen by twelve. Evelina three under, three strokes back. She still was kind of a little bit shaky on the putting green. It was honestly better than I think it, it used to be. 
she had moments of greatness, <laughs> but you still can't rely on it down the stretch. Yeah. So I think I'll if you get her this. in a pressure situation, I wouldn't count She it. threw a sick shot on 18 the final day. She was like furthest back. That like destroyer threw flex. threw a flex destroyer and hit the back. The way they did that OB, like they almost completely surrounded the 18th green and had like just a little narrow uh, isthmus, if you will, to get through Great there. Great word. Yeah. Um, and she hit the back wall, which a lot of players are doing, but didn't bounce far it enough to get back to the OB. But that was like, that shot would have been so sick. Kristen on 18 <laughs> literally gets, so she throws her drive and then she, uh, she was going after Missy who had already thrown out of bounds. So she lays up to the corner perfectly. And then all she has to do is uh, basically lay up, lay up. And she throws a forehand, like runs the basket and is like a foot from OB long. Yeah. She almost, was able to still lay up after it, but <laughs> almost chucked it out. I deep, think though. she was trying to throw into the tractor and threw too high. I, I think she, yeah, I think it was just like, okay, do not leave this short. Like don't make a silly mistake here. Or maybe it just was a little bit hard to perceive the depth with the basket being higher. Well, I think I, I from the, the steam on that disc, it, was moving. it seemed to me like she was trying to just hit the tractor. Because she knew she was safe if she hit the tractor. I mean, that's aggressive, though. Like, but, you don't have to do that. Well, running the basket was... I mean, it, it, was, it looked like it was in half the flight. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And then once you realize that, it's an elevated basket. Yeah. The the OB's tighter on there than you think. It was very close. But that stayed been, close. Because then she would have had a big putt yeah. to win, like a, a 35-footer to win, um, instead of being able to lay up. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, Katrina Allen didn't have a, a great weekend out there. Ended up four over. So... A lot of of Kristen's main competition over at the European Open course seemed to struggle out here, except for Evelina. Um, so really, I mean, same story as all year. If Kristen comes into the European Open and plays solid, she wins. Yeah. Um, so most likely, we're going to see a Kristen Tatar European Open win, but who knows? Um, this was a great tournament. The course was gorgeous. Uh, get the seemed to be pretty well attended too out there. So yeah, well they, I, uh, I think uh, Perkins was on the in the field, right? Uh-huh. And I think he said the th- I was watching day two or three. No, it was or day. It was definitely day two. It was one or two, and he said that there was like seven hundred and fifty people. I think yeah, it was day two because I was like, wow, not even championship day. Oh, and there was uh, 750 people following that Paul Eagle card. That was pretty crazy. Um, just on that card at that and point. And that was on so, Friday. Yeah. So because it, this tournament was weird. It did a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm imagining it's because there's a major this upcoming week, and so they're trying to give you enough time to travel yeah. so you can practice more. That's what, I, that's what I assumed. But it was a little weird doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday because I woke, up, I woke up Sunday. Rory McIlroy won, and it was like 8.30 a.m. on the golf side. And I was like, I got no, I got no golf or disc golf to watch today. It was a weird one. It yeah. was a weird one because obviously golf was in what Scotland, I think, mm-hmm. and so both of them were just playing super early in the morning, and it was just like rest of the day was free. I didn't like it. Um, on the MPO side, though, things kind of felt right. We had Paul McBeth go McBeast mode in the final round, um, shooting, I believe, the course record thirteen yep. under par. James Proctor coming in at second. Um, five strokes off of Paul's pace and then Calvin Heimberg doing what Calvin Heimberg does finishing in third place one stroke back <laughs> of James Proctor um, I believe Calvin and James were tied for the lead going to the final round and Paul was a few back of them yep. and just flipped the script um, Paul got went seven seven under through eight yeah. and then well, Proctor came out swinging and, and Paul just pressed him he just yeah. did not give him any chance to let up in the second he took those back to back bogeys it was like he lost mentally well the, the big switch was hole 12 yeah. Proctor Proctor bogeyed, Paul birdied. I think that was what gave Paul the lead, or maybe more of the lead, extended the lead. But that was when you felt 
Yeah. You, I felt like it was basically over at that point. Yeah. It was looking like Paul's not going to mess up and Proctor just isn't going to be able to get a stroke on this guy. Go. And the rest, I mean, after that tournament or after hole 12, Proctor lost one, three strokes to Paul on the rest Gosh. of the rest of the round. It is just like, it's so funny how not only like, not only did Paul make his comeback to the tour and win the very first try, he also went off in the final round, came from behind one by five shots over a field that featured a lot of good players. Yeah. Um, so it's like, here we go again. Like now the Paul narrative is just going to get flipped on its head because now at this very point, you know, when you have somebody like Paul with his track record, like at this very point, we have no reason to believe that he will lose at any given tournament. And yeah. before, before this event, that was I wasn't not the my case top at all. That was not the case well, no, at this all. This is, I, I will say I predicted this was a, a strong possibility. I thought he was going to have Should a much. I was going to have him. I thought he was going to have a much better Europe swing leading into this. He didn't, but he was able to win back to back coming into this event. And say what you want, that gave the guy momentum and some confidence. And then he popped off here again, winning by five. It was one of his five. larger larger wins on the Elite Series in general. A five shot lead or win in these days is no joke. No. against really good players and, and yeah, and good the, players in contention. The, what the only player missing is Gannon. That's yeah. relevant this year. Well, not only player that's relevant because I don't think Isaac Robinson's here, but like realistically, he beat Calvin Heimberg, he beat Eagle McMahon, he beat Ricky Wysocki. All inside the he, top five as he well. He beat James Proctor, who's a very solid player. Matty O's out there. Aaron Gossage has been pushing towards the top. He's out there. I mean, Kyle Klein's out there. You have a lot of players who have been playing very solid at different times throughout this year out there. So this is a legit win for Paul. This isn't like a European oh, win. Yeah, it's a- like this was sure this might on paper end up looking like a weaker field because the bottom half. So yeah, if you see like yeah, you look, a, I looked at the strength of field this morning and it is like about this. It's a little bit less than the Blue Ridge championship, but yeah, I believe the stat that somebody threw on me debate night was like eight of the top 10. Really. That, yeah, that's the key is and there's a difference. There's a difference between strength of field in regards to a win and strength of field in regards to like a 25th. Yeah. Right. Cause like a 25th, like Brody Smith, for instance, came in 28th out here. That 28th is not as impressive as a U.S. soil 28th. Dude, shout um, out to Scott Stokely. Scott Stokely. 20th. Yeah. But same same thing can be said. 20th, not as impressive right. as 20th at an Elite Series event over here. Yeah. That can't be said really for the win. It can slightly because there are enough players that could sneak up right. there. But the main guys that are in contention week in and week out are out there, and Paul slapped them all around. Yeah. You, no one was beating Paul this weekend. Um, and we haven't been able to say that all year. We haven't said that since Worlds. What's his last win of significance, elite series or major win, was Worlds 2022. He's now one event away from flipping everything. But that's the thing. (laughs) If he takes this and he takes European Open, I believe he comes back. Is Ledgestone the first event back? Uh, Elite Uh, series event? I think it is. Or is it Ottawa? No, Ledgestone's first. Yeah, Ledgestone and then Ottawa the week after. Paul is great at both of those. There is a real chance that Paul wins here, wins European Open, and picks up either Idlewild or... Because we go... Ledgestone, Idlewild, Deglo. Yeah, Paul's great at all three of those. There's a chance Paul picks up two of those three out of nowhere. He has three elite series and a major, and you just blink. It happened like a month, and yeah. Paul could have three elite series and a major and have well, pretty much as good a resume as anyone else out there. It's funny because this is like the same act we do every single year, but in in fairness, this year it was much more severe than years past. Yes. Years past, years past has been like oh, it's a struggle. It's a good start for anyone else but Paul. This right. year was like a, it was it a was rough not start. not a great start. And in years past, it'd be like, well, maybe he won at the very beginning of the season and then slumped. Or maybe he slumped, but he's still in contention. This year, it was like, no, he's not winning. He's not really getting in contention. He's taking some really bad finishes. 
but it doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, this is still golf. Um, and this is in the difficult climate of the tour these days, if you, if he comes out of the Europe swing with an elite series and a major win, there are only a couple resumes on all of tour that stack up to that. Yeah, because he's right back up to he's he's very close to the number one player in the world right now, according to you, Disc. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, this is he he'll be in our top ten when we adjust the power rankings sure, for sure, for sure. Um, but this is Paul's season. I'm not going to count the new world championship because that was last year. Technically, he's in this season, first place at a silver event. Yeah. But starting this calendar year, uh, we're not going to count the all star. Sixth at Vegas. 13th at Waco, 10th open at Austin, 25th Music City, 20th Champions Cup, 15th at Jonesboro. Then he went over to Europe, 31st at the Estonian Open. Then he started the Euro Tour and went first, sixth, second, first, first, first. So he's three wins in a row right now. Swedish Open, Skeleftia, and then an Elite Series, the PCS Open. So if you take out those Euro Tour events, though, he, he was probably like, we probably could have made an argument for him to be in the top 10 in our power rankings this year. Because he was consistently in the top 25. His worst finish was 25th at Music City. But it wasn't the Paul of old. It's not like like you were saying. Previously, it would be like, oh, he came in second at Vegas, won Waco, and then came in a few 10th places. And we're like, what's going on with Paul? That's a typical Paul start of the last few years. This was a slower one. But now that he's won PCS in the fashion he did, we're headed to European Open. He's going to be the favorite at European Open. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially coming off the, the win there. And like I said, then we're going straight into Ledgestone, Idlewild, D-Glow, Worlds in Vermont, MVP Open. Although I will say Eagle is a very, if not, Eagle is if right not behind the favorite, him. he's a very close second. The only thing, he did win it, the only thing with Eagle is, and he, he was granted, this was injured last year too, but yeah. he has re-hurt himself. He, w- he was nine strokes back of Paul, but he was in the mix up there. Um, at he, this event, he'll be so, very competitive at the European. He, yeah, the Eagle and Paul, um, very competitive. Ricky, it's also gonna be Ricky's first major of the year, the European Open, because he didn't play Champions yeah. Cup. Can Ricky um, get a major? But Ricky's slump is since 2017. So, Oof. uh, we'll we'll see. We will see. Um, but yeah, Eagle. I mean, Eagle's definitely. I mean, there, there's a lot of players that definitely could win the European Open. It's not a guarantee for Paul by any means at all. But I do think he's the favorite. Yeah, going in. Um. No real shockingly bad performances that I saw out there. Ricky Wysocki was in fifth. I mean, yes, he lost to Paul by 10, but he was in fifth place. Um, Adam Hammond's hung around up there. Uh, your prediction ended up being false by one player. Trevor's bold prediction was that the top 10 was all going to be um, Americans. Americans, and you had... Jalmar, Hallmar, Fredrickson. Yep. Um, he Proved finished tied for ninth. So Darn. That was the only one, though. Jalmar the snake. Close. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I'm scrolling down. I mean, Gavin Babcock, Chandler Kramer, Greg Barsby, they had a rough week. AB, there's a shocker. Oh, he 44th. And I think he had an okay first round. He shot plus two final round to end an even par for the tournament. Kevin Jones, 51st. I lied. There were some shockers out there. Ezra didn't play well. Ezra did not play well either. Of course, is not set up for everybody. Ezra also is having ankle issues going into it. There you go. There you go. Connor, the correspondent. Ezra, the correspondent. He was playing during Brody and Ezra's practice round. He was throwing standstills only. That's no good. Um, But yeah, it's definitely... The PCS Open was a, a great tournament, a great event. I do. I think say, it was a good addition to the Elite Series events. Um, the course seemed great out there, and yeah, it, it got uh, me excited for the European Open. I made a comment on the previous show about the Battle Axe. I'm gonna go ahead and take it back. You're taking it back. 
only because let me be clear the using an axe as like the trophy in a lot of ways would be cheesy but it's such a well-made one and it's like one that they keep around as well well it fits the theme of the course and it fits the theme so well but mostly just mostly the fact that it is made it looks beautiful like it is made very very well I am okay with it. I think I think it's, I think it's a cool it's trophy. Cool. I think it's cool. I think especially because they go so hard with that course on making it themed yeah. that it's like obvious that it goes yeah. with that course that I think it's cool. So if we took Music City, hear me out. All right. Can put we music put, note mandos and stuff? We put some some like you know when you walk into um rock and roller coaster, they have like that massive guitar. Uh-huh. Like that's a mando on hole one. Mm. That'd be cool. We put like in Eagles Crossing territory here. We yeah, we <laughs> use like uh all the T signs, your old guitars. You've got like cool. staying up there on a stage. Is sure. Playing. There we go. You just have Guns and Roses playing next to 18. You have Slash There's up there. Guns and Roses everywhere. Now. <laughs> now There's Guns and Roses everywhere. Now does the Gibson travel. guitar. Mm-hmm. Is that a good trophy? Yeah, then? Okay, works okay there you go. That's Music City. Yeah, that's how you get Trevor's approval. Just got to commit to the theme. That's just got to commit to the theme. Yeah. Lean into the theme. Yeah. Speaking of Trevor's approval, let's see if Trevor or Connor and I can win it. Gosh, Trevor's trivia hidden. Wow, dang, dude. Oh, I figured most of our the permit for that segue you're driving. Talking is probably going to be about this FPO event plan that we're about to to dig into from the pro tour. We're going to dig. So okay, we're going to do one. I think we've done something like this before, but I was curious to give it another spin. Pretty simple game um, for for a pretty simple guy. You know, we're going to basically go simple. Oh, thanks, man. We're basically going to give... You guys are going to be working on a team. Yes. You're going to be going through the alphabet. What's your team name? Okay, alphabet. You got to do a team name first. Uh, alphabet Assassins. Okay, the Alphabet All Assassins. Right. Um, you're going to be going through the alphabet, and you have to name a player, FPO or MPO, and it has to be somebody... We'll just make the stipulation that they have to have made like a professional disc golf appearance. Like okay. they've got to be relevant in professional And disc their name golf. has to start with start that letter? Start with that letter. And, and you're so gonna, we can I'm work gonna, together for both yes, of them? Yes, I'm going to okay. time you and you're going to see how fast you can get through. And then okay. if you want to compete against Hunter and Connor, pause now, time yourself, and then you can compare your time after. And we have to get through A through Z? A through Z. I already don't know what I'm going to do for Z, but we'll figure it out. I will right. allow you the... I will allow you to potentially, I'm potentially just first name. Their first name has to start. I don't know anyone with the last name yeah, starts yeah, yeah. in Z. I'm just trying to. Clarify I'm trying it. to. I'm trying to think if um, X might be impossible. In which case, I will give you a pass on X. I'm gonna go. I feel ahead. like it's got to be Alexander out there, there somewhere. Might be, but I can't think of one. Okay. So I will give you a pass on X just because my knowledge doesn't even go that far. But other thing else you got to get. Okay. All right, on your market set, go. Anthony Barello. I was going to go Avery Jenkins, but we're fine there. Bradley Williams from B. Chris Dickerson. Perfect. Uh, we're on D. E. We're on D. We're on, uh, we're on D. Wow. Wow. This is harder than I thought. Wow. D. Dylan, it's got to be. Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease is not <laughs> a pro. Dylan Lotak has made an appearance on the Pro Tour before. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. Okay. Did that count? Ethan, sure. I played what's, what's the guy's name? There's other A, B, C, ones, D, E. The, what's the kid's name? Evan, Evan, Evan what? Scott. Evan, Evan Smith, Scott, that's it. Both of them on the Pro Tour. Um, um, A, B, C, D, E, F. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> F. Uh, file, nope, nope, it's PH. <laughs> F, there's got to be, I mean, F, F, I want to say Phil. F, Frank, F- Fart. What's the name? It's with the F. Uh, wait, wait, think about FPO. Uh, does that help? <laughs> oh. <laughs> FPO, does that count? <laughs> uh, 
fair ferris is fire filibuster <laughs> <laughs> wow wow We're what are your names that start with f only one i can think of is frank <laughs> there's no franks that i know of um i will let you also do last names to make it easier well that's just, i mean that's kind of cheating for people at home that already did this should we do you want to restart it because it seems like you guys are gonna have a lot of difficulty doing it this way is there an obvious F first name? I'm looking. I thought I had one in mind, but I'm looking to double check. Finn, we could do Holly Finley if, if we do last name. Could do that if we do last names. Or Lisa Fakus. We were right with might, the last names. Might so not be a good names. F that like would have been. Okay. Okay. So let's start over the time. Because I think I was thinking about last names. We can't rename names we already named. Oh, gosh. No, no. But we well, can we use, use last yeah, names yeah. now. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, nobody's name. Nobody exists with the with the F. That's just impossible. All right, okay. we're gonna get. We're gonna include last names, man. Including last names. Okay, go. Avery Jenkins. Um, we're not Steve going Prince back and there. forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's for C. We just gotta do Clint Calvin, and then Chris Dickerson for D, and now we're on to E. Evan Scott instead of yeah, Evan Smith. We, yeah, yeah. And now we're on to F. Lisa Holly Fakus. Finley. Okay. okay. <laughs> M C D E F G double G. All right. H. Hunter Thomas has made an appearance in the Pro Tour once. Wow. Thank you. Big flex. I. Um H I. I. Isaac Robinson. I don't want to use that one. Trevor gave it to us. Okay. Isaac Newton. No, there's another Isaac. Isaac McDonald. There we go. He Old was on Am World, and he definitely played a few pro. Don the Snake. Uh, I don't know if that's true. J H I J. John. We already used Avery Jenkins. Valerie Jenkins. H I J K. Juliana Corver. All right. L. Simon Lazard. Simon Lazard. Simon Lazard. Simon Lazard. There you go. J J K L M. Macbeth. Paul Macbeth. Paul Macbeth. N. N. Nick. Not a lot of Nicks. Nick. No. Little Paul. <laughs> Hunter. Little Paul. <laughs> Carl. Carl. Come on now. Thank he said you. Little Paul is thinking Anthony Barella. Uh, you're, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. LMNO uh, is for the way you... Oh, O'Reilly. Owns O'Reilly. Oh, okay. Owns Goggins. Okay. O-L-P. P. Paul Macbeth. We already did that. Paul, Paul Oman. Yep. It's funny how much your brains P. like are... You guys are Q. jammed because I'm like finding them really... Q, Q, Quincy Q. Adams. <laughs> There's one I can think of for Q pretty easily. We can do Q pretty I'm not in the game. Uh, what name starts with Queen? Nathan Queen. There it is. Oh. Uh, Q. Did I just say? Did R. I say Q, Q just then? R. Okay. What did R. you say? I don't know what you said. <laughs> what did you say? R. Uh, Ezra Robinson. Q R S. Silas Schultz. Silas Schultz. There you go. Alliteration extra T. points. <laughs> T. Tristan Tanner. Yeah, you got alliteration extra points. <laughs> U. Ulibarri. Paul Ulibarri. P. V. V. Valerie Mandano. Okay. Or that. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, alliteration extra points. <laughs> w. Uh, uh, what's his name? Winter. Will Schuster. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy White was what I was trying to say. Crazy White? <laughs> Casey White. Casey I said a winter. Okay, w. You get a pass on X. X. We're getting a pass. Mm. Y. Yeti. Doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> well, it's fun. Um, I don't know if there is one for a Y either. It's got to be. 
Yanni. Y- is there a Yanni? <laughs> um, what would what's some names that would be Y? Y- have you tried Yanni? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there is one for Y. If you can get a Pass. Z, I, I'd probably time you out. Xander. There's no Xander would be the next. Xander with a Z. <laughs> Z. Um. S- Come on now. There's um, an obvious one. There's there's a name that's pretty popular in the world. Search the Z. That the, Zebra. Zed. <laughs> Zach. Think about the last Zach, Zach Melton. <laughs> Zach Melton. There you go. Why can we think of the words? That's, like, <laughs> in that's my head, crazy. Z was only like, I was like, like foreign dude, names. The only, only thing that works is like Xander, <laughs> Xylophone. Those are even next. Well, you guys just witnesses what happens when I play categories where like if I'm get narrowed in on like okay i'm thinking of r and i'll start saying like row or raw i yeah. cannot get off of it because like i would name one of those and i'd be like guys like come on like you mind isaac robinson yeah. you literally said i and like you're just thinking i was thinking different ian. yeah i was like ian but it took you ian i couldn't get igloo off my mind <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's difficult all right well it took you three minutes and 31 seconds to y'all can beat that. to get everything but x and y because i'm not sure if there's well, the problem is that. now whenever they compete, they have all the names that we just said. First no, they're supposed to pause. Oh, they, they got to pause, but okay, then also we restarted it. So if anybody, well, now we have all the names that they point, said though. Now it's a, I'm just kidding. If you're still listening to the podcast, thanks. Now we're gonna get into the juicy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the pro tour, I'm gonna throw up. That's the sheets coming back. <laughs> um, the pro tour announced put out this immediate release on July 14th. It was during competition. July 14th was what Friday? It was like mid tournament. Yeah, Friday. Uh, this hit our, our Twitter timeline. The Pro Tour just schedules and media plans to protect competitive fairness in FPO division is what the announcement is titled. And then the first subheader is the FPO division is now being relocated for several events. So, um, I'm going to try to find like the best. Just, I'll just start start just reading read this. The statement about like why they... Well, I'm going to just read yeah. kind of what's going on first. Uh, I think these first two paragraphs summarize that and then I'll read a few quotes from Jeff Spring. Yeah. Um, so the Disc Golf Pro Tour has adjusted its comp- competition schedule and media plan for the remainder of the 2023 season. These adjustments have made, been made in order to protect competitive fairness in the FPO division and to limit financial burden in locations where the PDGA policy on eligibility for gender-based divisions may become the subject of last-minute litigation harmful to the tour. The Disc Golf Pro Tour is taking this action to ensure competitive fairness while working to maintain the operational viability of the FPO division. These adjustments listed below include relocating the FPO division at multiple Disc Golf Pro Tour events. While the FPO division has been canceled in certain states, the Disc Golf Pro Tour is working to replace these FPO competitions with events in nearby states as well as considering other options. These replacement events will award the same points value as the now canceled tournaments. Scheduling efforts are still underway, but the Disc Golf Pro Tour is optimistic about implementing these replacement competitions for the FPO division. Um... I believe this is, so there's a quote from Jeff Spring here. He said, competitive fairness is the underpinning of the disc golf pro tour, the professional disc golf industry, and all of elite competitive sports worldwide. The disc golf pro tour is committed to the future of the FPO division. In order to protect competitive fairness for the division, these changes are necessary at this time. We will not waver on the PDGA gender eligibility policy as we've adopted it for the FPO division. This said, I also want to affirm the concept that you can simultaneously respect and support transgender people and support competitive fairness for the FPO division. These are not mutually exclusive concepts and the Disc Golf Pro Tour will continue to show respect to all people involved while thinking creatively about long-term solutions for this challenging issue. Uh, Spring continued, our company is in its fourth season 
operating the disc golf pro tour as a relatively new professional sport we have limited resources which we must use wisely in order to support an fpo division that has been publicly voicing their strong support for and the necessity of this policy we are confident that the disc golf pro tours eligibility rules will ultimately be upheld however we cannot continue to endure last minute challenges that drain the resources the disc golf pro tour needs to expand the game and grow elite competitive opportunities for our athletes the minnesota lawsuit is ongoing and we plan to appeal the tro division that's a temporary restraining order decision and defend the policy before the court minnesota statutes allow for a sport exception sports exception to their public accommodation law and if we prevail in minnesota as we expect to we will again look to schedule the fpo division in in these states in the future so essentially a lot disc golf specifically wise is kind of riding on this minnesota case it seems um so here before we get into kind of unpacking this a little farther these are the remainder events, remaining events of the Pro Tour and what is currently planned for them. So the Mid-America opens a silver event. No changes are currently planned. Ledgestone, an elite plus event. The FPO division at Ledgestone in Illinois has been canceled. This FPO event or a separate FPO only Disc Golf Pro Tour elite plus event with a different name is likely to be rescheduled in a nearby state for the same week. The Pro Tour intends to provide the standard live and post-produced coverage if the event is rescheduled elsewhere and is optimistic about implementing a replacement. Idlewild, no change is currently planned. D-Glow, the FPO division at D-Glow in Michigan has been canceled. This FPO event or a separate FPO only playoff event with a different name is likely to be rescheduled in a nearby state for the same week. Same thing that was said about Ledgestone. America Flying Disc Open, which is a silver event. The FPO division at this event will no longer be a Pro Tour event, nor will it award Pro Tour points. The MPO side of this tournament is planned to proceed as normal and will award points at a silver level. The Pro Tour continue, plans to continue with live broadcast plans of the event for MPO division, as well as post-produced coverage. Any concurrent FPO 8s here, no longer Disc Golf Pro Tour event, will not have live coverage or Pro Tour media partner post-produced coverage. Discmania Open Silver event, exact same thing as the um, America Flying Disc Open. Um, no longer be a Pro Tour event and won't have live coverage, it seems. The MVP Open playoff event, Maple Hill. Pro Tour has canceled the FPO division of the MVP Open, will only offer MPO at the tournament. They're working hard to reschedule. Same thing that has been said. Um, they're working hard to reschedule, though, an event that will take place somewhere between the Pro, Pro Worlds and U.S. Women's, um, somewhere in that range. And they intend to provide standard live and post-produced coverage. And then no changes are currently planned to the Pro Tour Championships. That's the rest of the season. So the big hitters, MVP Open, Ledgestone, D-Glow, those three, I believe. Yep. Yeah, MVP Open, Ledgestone, D-Glow. Those three, FPO at this time is canceled. They're working to reschedule slash create a new FPO only event in a nearby state for that same week. Um, well, MVP, it looks like it might be a different week. The other two for the same week is what they're looking to. At this current event, FPO canceled though. Um, this was, we kind of like talked about this idea of like, is there a chance the Pro Tour doesn't go to states that they feel like this could be an issue in? I'll be straight up. I didn't really think that was going to happen, especially not this season. I was thinking, like, it is what it is yeah. this season. Next year, maybe we'll see it. Yeah, I, I never imagined this announcement would come as quickly as it did to, like, uh, basically, yeah, like, right in the middle of the season. I mean, then, you know, we had... Steve Dodge get up there on, on the internet and tell everybody this wasn't going to happen. Yeah, when it's like, happening at the, the MVP Open. Like the day before. So I think that was pretty crazy. Uh, we have been able to speak with some people that are a little bit in like 
in the know with the pro tour. So not Steve Dodge, uh, but, but have an idea, <laughs> but ha- they have an idea of what's going on with the pro tour. And we've basically been, what's been expressed to us are a few things. Number one, when the pro tour made this decision, it's not like they wanted to have to make this, this announcement. Um, the, there are a lot more things at play than just Jeff spring, for example, typing this up and dropping it as, as the director of the pro tour. There are stakeholders. There's people with a lot of money invested in this tour. There are partners that they work with. When you're dealing with something as complex as this, there are so many people that you are trying to keep, uh, happy. So I know for that, that was not exactly something that they wanted to have to do. Um, I also know that the, you know, the rescheduling of these events is a high priority. I've also heard there's a lot of uncertainty though, that, you know, this plan has been, has been thrown out there now, but there's all, there's, there is some uncertainty as far as like, you know, there's still legal things at hand right now. As I mean, what you can see from what they're saying and what we've kind of heard is, you know, and we kind of heard this originally from just like Reddit things that were being put out there, but there's just not enough money to fight. Uh, Natalie Ryan's counsel, um, as we've known now for a while, has been pro bono. It's been it's big firms that are giving uh, her free legal work, essentially. And, and legal work is, is very expensive. The pro tour, ultimately, uh, we don't even know if they turn a profit. It's very likely they don't. Uh, year by year, they have been they have been funded generously, and they are working towards that. But they don't have the legal resources to just chuck at cases. So if they have to go, you know, state by state, even if they're winning, they're still gonna be racking up these expenses. Well, Ultiworld said, I believe it was either Ultiworld or Drew Gibson. One of them said that the OTB Open alone was like a hundred thousand right. dollars. It's very expensive, and so. Uh, I think there's still a belief that the case in Minnesota can be won. That's what but, it sounds like. From right. What but they, they can't just keep dumping into all these cases. And, you know, this is an issue. Uh, I just saw that, you know, Cycling Meet recently made a decision similar to the Swimming Federation and that some others have made, um, which would align with the pro tour policy of their uh, FPO division uh, competitive fairness. And, Basically, of all the sports to be having to take this to a legal battle, disc golf is really not the one to have to do it because we are small. We do not have a ton of money. Uh, there are a lot bigger sports with bigger resources. So, you know, I see, I, I can see the writing on the wall and it feels like the pro tour is trying to keep things intact. You know, this is a breaking point right here. This is like a serious tipping point for the disc golf pro tour. And, you know, we've seen... Uh, multiple of the FPO players uh, giving their support for this plan, and that's huge for them. You know, I think they have do still have support. I think some people, when they first saw this announcement, myself included, almost were like, "Are the FPO players like even the ones who are kind of on track with this? Are they even supporting this?" Um, but ultimately, if the purses are there, you know, it, it feels like a let's get through the season and and readjust. I, I have a feeling that there's a lot more planning going on. Um, I think people are going to make a lot of knee-jerk reactions, but I think the Pro Tour is smart enough to know that this we are not at the point where separate tours can exist. Those, those, no, yeah. They are not, it's not sustainable like that, uh, and they're not. I think they know that, and this seems to me like, okay, let's try and find, you know, let's, they're, they're keeping their policy, you know, clearly they believe in their policy. They're keeping that in place, um, but I think that they're just trying to figure something out in the short term. It does surprise me how quickly it was implemented, but I think the draining of legal resources and the prospect of more liability being thrown on them was just too daunting an issue. 
And I know you had mentioned this too, but to the people who are saying, uh, well, how could you afford the Jomez buyout and you can't afford legal fees? A, even if they did buy out Jomez in the traditional sense, it doesn't change the fact that these legal fees could be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay, that's still a lot of money. And B, from what we have heard uh, and from what it seemed to be shown, uh, there's a very good chance that the Jomez buyout was, we are going to forgive your debt. You are now ours. Yeah, from what it sounded <laughs> like in the Old Two World article when so, Jomez got bought out, it seemed like a uh, it seemed like Jomez wasn't able to make payments on that very large amount that was required for right. the uh, it's like what two hundred fifty thousand a season or something like that. Yeah. For I think they were in five hundred. They were in five hundred deep. Yeah. To the Pro Tour, so like even if uh, a company of Jomez's size is discounted five hundred thousand dollars, like that, I mean that's five hundred thousand dollars that the Pro Tour isn't paying that you think they're paying. Right. Um. So yeah, I saw that counter argument kind of put out there as far as like the Pro Tour's pockets have to be so deep they just bought out the biggest disc golf entity, one of the biggest. I think bought out's a little bit of a looser term there because more than likely it was a agreement to move forward for the betterment of the sport. Um, yeah. Because like realistically, had the Pro Tour been like no and put their foot down, you owe us the money, Jomez might have went out of business. Right. And from, it, from what the Ultra World article sounded like, and, yeah. I, I my inside people at Jomez, I haven't talked to them about any of this, so I could be way off base there, yeah. but from the way the Ultra World article was written when it was when that news first dropped, that was kind of what it seemed like. So, right, I don't think that holds much weight. And when you look at like, if you look at disc golf in general, I mean, if it's true that the OTB Open court case alone was like a hundred some thousand oh, legal fees, the rest of the tour they could be staring at that's a million an, dollars. That's an entire purse yeah. of a of a pro tour event, yeah. an entire purse, not the added cash to a purse. That's the entire purse. Yeah, like that's a ludicrous amount of money for a sport for the pro tour of a sport of this side and you know when this first came out it it felt kind of it still does i think the pro tour was a little bit in a lose-lose situation here right because like if i am local to ledgestone d-glow or mvp and i am either a a local fpo player or b i'm a local fan of course i'm pissed by this right because what this means is as a local FPO player or a local fan, I'm not going to get to see the FPO division or I'm not going to get to play in it because obviously they're, it's not like they're going to be able to move somewhere else in Illinois. You're going to move out of the state. Yeah. So where that might only be a few hours, that's still a few hours. Right. Um, if you're a touring FPO player, like in, you know, you're one of the ones that signed that Stockton declaration, you stood up. It, it probably does feel pretty good, though, at least to know you have a tour that is willing to go to this length to protect what they see is right, which how they see it, this is protecting the fairness in FPO. Yeah. And the Pro Tour is willing to go to the lengths of rescheduling and moving tour events to protect the fairness in FPO. Is That's how they see it. Um, and, you know, if you're a touring FPO player, yeah, it might be somewhat inconvenient if you're, if you're Kona Montgomery and Colton Montgomery right. and you've got one event going on in one state and the other event going on the other right. state, that's obviously well, that, not convenient yeah. because your RV can't be in both. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a touring pro who's out there will find a way to make it happen because it is only three events this yeah. season, it seems. And I think what's the... Those events, um, at least, you know, again, I don't think this was a perfect scenario. I don't think this was a perfect solution. I don't think there is one. Um, but I don't know if there is one. Yeah. My, my gut immediately is like, well, that can't have been the best decision. But if you sit down and think through it, not really what are the other, de- like, there's not a lot but, of other and decisions. And so many people, like, and another. Unless the, uh, the other decision is, 
don't stick to your policy right at all that's right. the other decision yeah. and i know there's a lot of you listening who are like yes that's the right decision obviously the pro tour disagrees so if you disagree yeah. and you're like no we're sticking to our policy yeah. this is the only decision this whole, that you this really whole come to. thing comes down to precedent and it is very serious precedent for the future of the sport and therefore drastic measures you know the pro tour has to take drastic measures that if they have a policy and a precedent they want to set then they have to lay that down now they cannot uh, go back on that and you know from what i've heard too from from my sources is you know they're not they're not oblivious like they understand how the tour travels they understand there's like 20 some odd couples out there on tour you know a lot of people i think i think some people sometimes get the sense when a decision like this is made and i don't blame the knee-jerk reactions because i was like staring at my computer in disbelief um but i think they they get the sense that like the disc golf pro tour is disconnected and is like sitting up in an office somewhere just like just typing things out and sending them out into the world when it's like, you know, that's not true. Like they're obviously the most aware of what's going on tour of anybody. Like they are there at every event. They know the players. It's it's still a very small tour. So like they, they understand they're not oblivious to the idea that, you know, like I said, I don't think that everybody, I know that not everybody at the pro tour wanted this to be what it came to. Uh, They quite obviously knew the repercussions, especially from fan perception. Um, But it's obviously not a permanent plan. You know, best case scenario, they're able to get these events rescheduled this year. We can still watch live coverage. They can still make the money that's owed them from the purse. Uh, and then they can readjust this offseason or even sooner than that, perhaps, to a better plan that that works. But I also know that the Pro Tour is very dedicated to the idea of catering to those states and courses and events that have history so that's where this gets you know that's where this is also difficult it's not as simple for them as like well we're just not going to maple hill like, yeah that's a tough thing they want to go to maple is hill is otb as fun of a tournament as it is the otb open if the pro tour was like we're not going to california next year and that was the only tournament that's cut that's not the end of the world yeah like fans would be upset but it's a whole different scale if preserve, if you're looking at this list, D-Glo, you're like, we're not Maple going to Hill. preserve D-Glow, Ledgestone, or Maple Hill. Yeah. And realistically... Like, that's half the tour that we recognize. Probably <laughs> GMC, too, because obviously Worlds yeah. isn't a part of the Pro Tour. Um, but like you're looking at it, and you're like, those are the most iconic events on tour. Yeah. Like We'd basically just lose a lot of the Pro Tour's identity if that was the decision. If right. it was like, we're not going to these states at all. And it sounds like from Jeff Spring's statement up here, if the Minnesota case goes the way they expect it to he says we will again look to schedule fpo division in these states in the future yeah so essentially they think for whatever reason i don't fully know the whole lawsuit in and out but the pro tour and i'm sure natalie ryan and her side feels very strong too that they have they're gonna win the minnesota case it seems like when you're in the middle of the lawsuit both sides is like we won we're gonna win but one side's right obviously um but the pro tour seems very confident that they expect to win in Minnesota. And if they win in Minnesota, they think that will give them enough precedent that they can enter these other states yeah. that have similar laws to Minnesota. Yeah, the legal, the state by state thing, like ultimately what, and this has been, you know, this entire idea has been a trend since I think the first story that came out was a wrestler in Dallas, like a high school wrestler. And this has been a trend in sport. I think it was in Austin. Um, yeah, in Austin. So it's been a trend in sport for a while now it's just starting to kind of bubble up now and we saw swimming was the big one that was in the national news and they decided uh similar to what the pro tour decided that it's not allowed and and we were seeing cycling now and but ultimately there hasn't been any federal law established that would be 
you know, a real end all be all in either way. Oh is yeah. If, is if this thing gets to Supreme court eventually, and I'm telling you, it feels like one of them will eventually because it seems so popular right now. And yeah. but if this thing gets to Supreme court and it's decided a certain way, that would really make it black and white. But when it's state by state, it's just, it seems so tricky. And right now, like the legal, the cases that are happening in these legal proceedings, um, obviously Natalie Ryan's team has been going for these like last second litigations. Like they mentioned, it's, it seems very like, based on these technicalities and now that's kind of how law just is, but it, it's, I don't know. It's, they've been very complex and almost like in strategic in some sense to where it's not, it has not been black and white at all. No. Um, so, and that's the, really that's the, when rubber meets the road, that's what this is. It's like, it's a very like, no matter which side you're on, it, it's not a clear black and white line because if that were the case, then you wouldn't have to worry about all of this. Right. Um, and so I think like it, it's a very interesting situation, a very tough position for disc golf to be almost leading the forefront in. Um, because like, you know, like Trevor was kind of saying some of these other sports, like cycling, swimming, track and field, powerlifting, we've seen yeah. a lot of these sports have a lot more money than disc golf. Yeah. Um, so what also could be a scenario is like, Maybe the pro tours watching some of these things develop and are like, "Hey, if we sit back for a year, one of these one of these sports is gonna spend the money and set the precedent, so that we don't have to." Yeah. That could also be a line of it's thought. Just, yeah, I think whatever solution that we get is probably going to be one that is it gives a feel of well, they're kind of waiting things out. Like there's probably going to have to be some kind of compromise that that gets that buys them time in that sense. Uh, and we'll just see how that is. I don't yeah. know what that's going to look like. Where I think that this decision, in my opinion, falls through. Like I said, so Ledgestone, D-Glow, MVP, the ones they're trying to replace, if they are able to successfully replace, yes, it's going to suck not seeing FPO at the at Ledgestone, at D-Glow. You know, but if we at least get in a, an event of some type where yeah. it happens the same weekend, you can watch it in the morning, like the same yeah. time frame. And it could be great too. And they get the same amount of money. Like right. at the end of the day, that solution works. What sucks is kind of these silver events where yeah. it's just like, I mean, unless I'm trying to re any concurrent FPO a tier, no longer a pro tour event will not have live coverage or media partner post products. Unless I'm reading that to me, to me, that seems like there's just no FPO coverage at these silver events Yeah, because they're covering the silver event and FPO is not a part of the silver, silver event. event. And so that kind of sucks. Um, yeah. Not kind of sucks. That does suck. I'm sure the FPO A tier will have the same payout, like the same purse as a silver event. I don't event. know about that, though. Um, That'll be interesting to see. It would be interesting. I would imagine I would hope it so. would. Um, if that's the case, like, sure, if I'm an FPO player, at least at least that's the truth. Like, at least I get still have the same yeah. earning potential. But it do, it is very unfortunate of, like, you don't get pro tour points, and I'm not going to be on coverage. I would say So best, you do lose, like, coverage bonuses and contracts yeah, and the stuff. Solar events, yeah, it's tough. I would say for the other events, best case scenario is they're able to move them to communities that would embrace just having the pros. Yeah. I, I, know, I know if you brought them here, for example, that, like, they would, you would get an audience. Like, there's, there's yeah. a lot of places that, like, just having pro disc golf would be very exciting and, and would go out and watch the FPO. And so that... And in fairness, they will be the show in town. You know, like yeah. it won't even be like, well, do I want to go watch MPO or FPO? Like 
I can tell you right now that if I were in town and FPO were going to play, I'd go watch. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, there, I think there's still a chance there to get decent galleries, have coverage, have the same purse. Um, it's more so those other events that we're expecting them. That's the bummer. But I think they could still, there is still hope that it can be okay and, and fine for the players. Yeah. Know? It was a, like I said, um, was this announcement by any means like great? No, no, it wasn't. Um, because like, if if I'm if I'm an FPO player, regardless of where I stand on the side of the argument, I'm bummed that I'm not playing Maple Hill. Right. I'm bummed yeah. I'm not playing Idlewild. Yeah, I'm bummed, or I am playing Idlewild. I'm sorry. I'm bummed I'm not playing Ledgestone, or I'm not playing Deglow. Like, of course, I'm bummed about that. Um, but the Pro Tour seems like it seems like the Pro Tour was kind of backed into this corner because obviously these lawsuits haven't happened yet. The Pro Tour can just like look at the laws and assume that based on the laws, this same type of last minute lawsuit's going to happen. And if that last minute lawsuit happened, the Pro Tour is like, we can't keep fighting this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we don't know how grim the situation on the financial side of the Pro Tour is. Yeah. This could be a move that just saved the Pro Tour yeah, in general. <laughs> like, this legitimately could be like they, the options are move forward as if nothing's going to happen and fight these lawsuits and the pro tour go under and we have no pro tour or you know the pro tour changes their policy and backs down on what they believe's yeah. right um you know like the or do this option c which is what is here and if those are the three options in front of you and you're the pro tour of course they landed on option c right i like, mean yeah you gotta remember no at the end it. of the day like we, this disc golf pro tour we got all our eggs in this basket and if we didn't have the disc golf pro tour I'm sure something else would arise eventually, but it would take a lot of time and a lot of funding and we have a really good product right now. So, yeah. you know, I, hopefully they can straighten things out because the pro tour has given us, you know, a great platform for disc golf. So, yeah. Um, I was trying to pull up the disc golf, the ulti world article. Cause the ultra world article had a few quotes from Natalie Ryan's reaction. I guess I can just pull up her Instagram, um, post instead. Um, Natalie Ryan made a post, Shortly after this, um, it's pretty long, but I don't think it'll be too long for me just to read. So this is kind of how Natalie Ryan, it doesn't seem like this was written by Natalie Ryan because many times it like refers to her in third person, third person. Um, but this is the statement that I guess we could call it Natalie Ryan's team put out. Posted, um, so. so this was on Natalie Ryan's Instagram. Today, today, the Disc Golf Pro Tour decided that it was better to eliminate tournaments in places that lo- with laws favorable to trans inclusion, eliminating every woman's right to play just to keep from letting the trans women play. This shows beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was never about the fairness of cis women in FPO, but instead about a desire to remove trans women. This isn't going to cut down on the lawsuits, and it is silly for the Pro Tour to expect people to believe that despite having enough money to buy their way to a monopoly of revenue-earning live streaming networks for Disc Golf, that they don't have the money to spend on a few hours in court, rehashing the same defenses offered the last two times. Make no mistakes, this decision hurts women far more than it helps cis women. This is five tournaments, two silver, two silver series, three elite series, at which the FPO players will have no opportunity to make any money, just so that no, so that one trans woman won't have the possibility of earning a small portion of those overall purses. Uh, just to point out, tr- not true. Yeah. Um, so the five tournaments, the two silver events will happen as A-tiers, and the three elite events are at this time being rescheduled with assumingly the same person to make money at all. Um, but just, just wanted to side note that this is unfair to all women. It has nothing to do with 
ensuring fair play for cis women. There is no logic by which it does. If the concern is that cis women won't earn as much money, the solution is not guaranteeing. This solution is the solution is not guaranteeing none of them will make any. The double negative, I think, makes that statement true. Um, the solution. Okay. Am I reading that wrong? This the solution is not guaranteeing none of them will make any. Anyways, That's, this is wow, not Natalie is Ryan's confusing. fault. There are over 50 women who are being hurt by this decision, a decision that helps no one and makes all women on the pro tour victims of the agendas of a few people who feel righteously justified in their discrimination. This decision shows pretty clearly that the disc golf pro tour as an organization doesn't have the best interests of the sport at heart. If they did, they would be working to find a path forward that didn't rob women of their careers. The disc golf pro tour does not care about money it might lose because everyone who's paid to watch the live stream is paid whether or not fpo is offered as a division this is about not having ground to see to natalie ryan and more and more losses in court they can't be forced to let her play if there are no events to play in this is scorched earth policy that and that's good for no one women deserve better than this cis women and trans women alike every one of them have a passion for the sport and should be celebrated not brushed aside the time and effort it takes to earn a spot on the tour is admirable to take that away is an insult to the entire sport. Women deserve to have the right to play. Uh, women deserve to have the right to play honored, even if that means there are, go are growing pains and uncomfortable conversations while we try to find the most equitable path forward. Disc golf is for everybody. All women deserve to be able to play and compete and love the game. So that was the Natalie Ryan statement. Um, I definitely think that was written. It seemed like that was written by team. Because like I feel like obviously both of these um, statements, the Pro Tour statement, Natalie Ryan statement, could probably be used as evidence in court against the other, and I think that both of them are trying to like overplay to a certain extent, if that makes sense. Because like, for instance, a lot of Natalie Ryan statements in that were over exaggerated in the in the sense of like no earning potential. Um, I forget some of the other ones. Um, and the Pro Tour, I'm sure you can look at this and say the same thing. The Pro Tour is overstating some of the things to help get their well, point across. It's just a, but, I don't know. For me, it's a little bit of a tough play to act like you're speaking on behalf of the FPO field that has already cited their support of this policy. That is, so the majority, tough, of the, FPO field, swing for me. the majority of the FPO field has. Um, the, uh, the, the one thing I will say Natalie Ryan has done poorly, in my opinion, is several times... And she has several times spoken in support of and in promoting the FPO field, like in support of her competitors and stuff like that. But when rubbers met the road and there's been friction, she has several times just straight up been like, well, then they should get better or they just must not practice enough or like, I'm not even that good. I'm just good enough to win. Like those type of statements. So it's hard when, I, when you know someone said all of that for them to then play the card of like, you know, very yeah. much like for the FPO I mean, for all women. I think it, that, that, I I'm think not saying that she's not. Given, I'm just saying it's tough to have both. Given that, in the given the extreme nature of the schedule changes and the announcement, I don't think it was difficult to conjure up a post like that. Yeah, because it was like basically a softball was lobbed to you. But I still think a lot of things were said that were not true. Yeah, um, I think a, a tone that. Um, that is kind of displayed through that, that, uh, which just to be clear, I think that things could be handled better on, on all sides. Absolutely. And I 100% sympathize with Natalie Ryan, but that, that post in general, um, kind of gives me this idea of, 
uh, them continue continuing to like push this idea of the pro tour being transphobic or or having something against transgender people because it says specifically in there they're they're not attempt it's obvious that they're not try, trying to create an equal playing field but instead just trying to get rid of trans yeah. people in this which i policy and it's like well no it's just a policy that's being upheld and yeah it has and to that's why like i think that that's why I, what's happening that's why i think it's dangerous I, I think that on both sides we should just try to keep from assuming that this is why someone's doing something. I mean, if, if the pro tour claims that they're doing it to try to keep it fair for female disc golf, then it, it seems like it's an assumption to be like, Oh, because they're doing this, it means they do not like, they are, they, yeah. do, they do not like transgender people. It's like, if you have, if you have a boat race, that's a sailboat race. If you're, you're not going to, if you don't allow a speedboat to compete in a sailboat race, it doesn't mean you hate speedboats. Right. That's a very broken analogy. But very broken. I mean, but the, the pro tour is, you know, yeah, they're fighting for competitive fairness. That is what exa- that's what for. that's what the analogy. Yeah, was I have saying, not seen anything. Was if the if yeah. science proves competitive fairness, it's not that they have something from against what I transgenders. Have seen it's just that they're trying to support dealings. competitive fairness. When I've seen so. and heard from their court dealings, you know, what's being presented in, in the courts it has completely to do with what is what is competitively fair. It's, you know, I saw it. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird line. It's a very weird line because, like, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to have a policy that, at the end of the day, cuts someone out of competing in the division they feel they mm-hmm. should be in, they belong in, that, that it is fair, and for that person to not feel like, you know, you must like you can't you can't support me in mm-hmm. one area and then not support me here. Yeah, which in most cases that's true. That is most of the time a true statement where you can't like. But in this case, sports are, the sports are just a very tough thing because it's like, you know, you might not be able to have your cake and eat it too. Um, mm-hmm. And we've, we've talked about this multiple times where, where I feel for Natalie Ryan is like up to this point from the science that has been presented by the PDGA and the pro tour, that's the only science I personally have seen and other studies that I've personally tried to look into. Cause I've been trying to figure out where the heck do I stand on it? That science that is being presented shows an advantage. I am, I'm sure there are some sciences that don't show an advantage. Mm-hmm. But when you have science that shows an advantage, then, you know, just like with drug testing and other sports and stuff like that, once there is an advantage and you know the advantage, you can't let the advantage in because then it's not fair to the other players that don't have that advantage. But at the same time, you can use that same science to find out. It's not doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Natalie Ryan would be at a disadvantage in MPO. Mm-hmm. because it's the same, you know, the same thing that we're sure the different hormones and medicine, and all of that might not erase the advantage all the way. There is still erases some of the advantage where like Natalie Ryan, she can't just go comp- compete in MPO and compete with all the men out there because like she would definitely be at a disadvantage there. But the science is also showing she's in an advantage in FPO. So that's, what's so hard about the situation is like, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it comes down to is, yeah, I've seen plenty of people being like, she belongs in MPO. She should just play MPO. It's like, well, it's not that simple. Yeah. But it's also not that simple as she should just play FPO. Yeah. And that's where it's so tough is like, I don't know the right answer of where Natalie Ryan fits into it right now. Um, but the pro tour is very confident that that is not the FPO division in its current state. And they're standing up for their policy that they've enacted and for what they seem is, is most fair. Um, 
It's and a you got to respect you got to respect both sides for standing up for what they believe yeah. in. I hate it for both sides. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, it's it's just a terrible situation and for everybody. I hate it for disc golf. Yeah, because I, what it has done it is, is really hurting disc golf. What it's done is I can't go onto disc golf social media and just scroll without seeing disc golfers absolutely hating on each other, because this is such a polarizing topic. And like Jeff Spring was trying to say in the announcement, where like you said, Connor, supporting what you see as competitive fairness for not for FPO. Mm-hmm. Is not the same as being transphobic, and yeah. it's not those are they might feel the same at times. They, yeah, and there are definitely some disc golfers that that is the same thing. Mm-hmm. So don't get me don't get my words crossed there. There are some disc golfers that have been just absolutely horrible, um, and those idiots on both sides are just hateful both ways. They don't belong. But at the end of the day, what should be able to happen is remove competitiveness out, remove divisions, remove everything out. Everyone should be able to just go out and have a freaking good time throwing a frisbee in the park. Everyone should be able to just go out, play disc golf, and have fun. And what sucks is, as you get into professional disc golf right now, as you're tuning in, this is what you're hearing about over and over and over, and it makes the sport less fun Yeah. at the end of the day. It does. I don't want to get on here and talk about it every week. I want to talk about just what's going on at the PCS Open, how much fun it was to watch coverage, you know, what we love about disc golf. That's what people want to talk about. That's what I want to go on social media and just see the funny memes that are just funny memes about your buddy's playing wreck, you know, and how you belong in MA3 and you can't throw for Those are funny. I don't want to get on and just see like the news feeds are full of that crap everywhere else. You mm-hmm. know, I don't want polarizing topics over and over and over and people just feeling like they either have to be overly aggressive with their opinion to show that they know what they're talking about or underly aggressive because they want to tiptoe around everything. Can't just get back to playing disc golf. So, well, unfortunately, on social media, if you're not over the top, you don't get heard. No, so. exactly. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, hopefully, what this plan allows from the Pro Tour is for us to get back to just playing disc golf. Yeah. Um, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, hopefully that's the end result. Because you know what, I think that the world's a lot happier place if everyone's just playing disc golf. So, let's move on to the power rankings. Um, hopefully, that's all the information you needed on the Pro Tour event plan um uh point number one on this power rankings what to do with paul Macbeth? where was he nowhere he's not on it he belongs on it yeah for sure tough one huh because like you don't know what to do credit wise for the euro tour events leading up to this but the dude has three wins in a row right now if you include those and he just won the pcs open against a very tough field Hmm. um I would say I, my gut is is somewhere in that five or six range. Yeah, I would say you jump him back into the middle for sure. So we go five above Eagle, or right below Eagle above AB. I think you can. Because mm, yeah. what's tough is we're not going to have Isaac Robinson or Gannon Burr over yeah. these next few weeks. Yeah, it is going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them. You got to play, man. We got to maintain in our power rankings. So I think we go Paul five, Eagle six right now. Okay. We good with that? Yeah. And that knocks Alden Harris out. Well, he did, Ezra just took 50 something. So we should probably knock Ezra out and leave Alden there. Yeah, Ezra had a bad week. Okay, Calvin Heimberg 1, Ricky 2, Gannon 3, Isaac 4, Paul 5, Eagle 6, AB 7, Simon 8, Proctor 9, Harris 10 is where we're at. Simon's not playing Europe. Proctor just had himself a weekend. Let's go yeah, Proctor so to um, bump up Anthony Barella real quick. Because AB had a bad week. And uh, Proctor obviously had a good one. Uh, 
Barella versus Proc. The Proctologist. Proctologist. Uh, I did the whole year. Let me go to April. Okay, from April on, that's what we're going to do. 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. Well, and then with the recent. They're very finish. knotted, but. Recently, he's been much better. So, well, as in like the last event. Yeah. So okay. I think, so I think, I think we put, I think go Proctor up. What did it's I getting do? to the point where like the top, it's getting to the point it gets to a lot with our MPO power rankings because we get later into the season and guys have like pretty stacked resumes to where like that top, that top six is going to be really tough to break into. You're going to have to win. Yeah. All right. I feel good about this. Calvin, yeah. Ricky, Gannon, Isaac, Paul, Eagle, James Proctor, AB, Simon Lozada, Alton Harris. And that then on FPO, right. we have Kristen, Own, Cat, Missy, Haley. Which... Did we do anything to this? Kristen stays. Own Scoggins just won a Masters Worlds, I think. Oh, bonus points for that. <laughs> did she win? I think we could... I think she did. I um, saw Joe Revere won. Missy, Gannon, and Katrina Allen, I think, might be able to flip. But didn't Cat just win? Somewhat recently, yeah. I think she won the event before she went to Europe. Preserve. The preserve. Did she win the preserve? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we leave it. Kristen own cat Missy Haley. And Haley just got an IPA at uh that brewery. There you go. Named after her. So <laughs> everyone's winning these. Everybody's days. winning. <laughs> All right. I think we're I think we're good there. I'm fine with that. My brain is honestly fried. There so. we have it. That's grip lock for this week. We have a major this weekend. The European Open's going down. Get out there, watch some disc golf. Um, it's going to be kind of early in the morning, so turn it on first thing in the morning. Watch some disc golf. Play in the afternoon. Have a good time. Have Sounds a good like time. a good day. Sounds and like a good day. on Monday, we'll run you through who's the next major champion. It's exciting. It could be Paul McBeth. Could be. Could be Eagle McMahon. Could be you. It could be Calvin Heimberg. Listening right now, if you are going to be It could be, be Richard Wysocki. You know what? Dare I say it? It could be Chandler Kramer. Daryl, if you're listening, could be you. Go win yourself the European Open, Daryl. Yeah, come on, Daryl. Let's go.